the Torah portion for today is uh, Noah, which is Noah. And um, before we go there, um, there are a few things that um, the Lord pointed out to me during the week and um, just reminded me about the, the focus of last week's message on uh, Bereshit, the very first installment of the cycle of the Torah portions for the year, um, God had me focus on light and different examples of how important light was in the life of Israel and how those were the very first words that God uttered um, that are recorded. And he said, let there be light. And we are reminded that God in us causes us to be the light of the world. And um, I, I talked about the darkness and the light and how in John, the, the scriptures read how the Lord um, is our light. Um, Yeshua is our light. And the darkness did not overcome Yeshua. And the darkness will not overcome us because of his power within us. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And so um, as I began the, the uh, message last week, um, I read these words in, in Hebrew, which is the first phrase of Genesis 1, Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'etcha'aretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we read over and over again how the Yarki Tov, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good, and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. And he created Adam, and out of Adam he created Eve, and he saw that they were good. It was good. What he had created was good. And then, and then, I never got to the fall. The fall did not take God by surprise. He already had a plan for the redemption of mankind when he needed to expel Adam and Eve from the garden. And for all of this world's years, we are working our way back to the garden. Will we ever see it? here in this life no but we will see it for all those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life we will we will get back to the garden back to the perfection that god had created better seat in the beginning and so um i thought it was a very interesting focus that the lord impressed on me because there were so many things that i could have sp spoken about um, in those first six chapters of Genesis. And in fact, one of the things is something that uh, Mitchell touched on this morning about Cain and Abel. There was, I had this great little uh, blurb about the offerings, and I could have said that, but God said no. Speak about the light. And so I thought how interesting that was in light of pardon the pun, the darkness in our world today, especially the darkness that has come over Israel. And um, when you leave here, my prayer is that 
You won't be thinking about the darkness that has come over Israel. Instead, you will be thinking about the light of Hashem, the light of the Lord that hovers over his people Israel, whether they are in the land or whether they are in the diaspora, and how the light of the Lord hovers over all of those who are called by his name. And um, so in the reading of Genesis 6, we ended last week's portion with these words. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible, and I'm beginning in verse 5. This is the end of chapter 6, but this is the ending of last week. Adonai saw that the people on earth were very wicked, that all the imaginings of their hearts were always of evil only. Adonai regretted that he had made humankind on the earth. It grieved his heart. Adonai said, I will wipe out humankind whom I have created from the whole earth. And not only human beings, but animals, creeping things, and birds in the air. For I regret that I ever made them. And as I reread Genesis 1, 6 through 8, 1, verse 1, through Genesis 6, 8, in preparation for this week, what struck me was that in our reading, in six short chapters, we went from God created the heavens and the earth, everything in it, and man saw that it was good, and then six chapters later, or 1,100 years later, God is grieved in his heart because the heart of man is evil always. It's not like it happened three books later. It's 1,100 years later. And think in terms of we're 2,000 years the other side of Yeshua Yeshua walking on the face of this earth. 1,100 years in the great scheme of things, that's a short period of time. And already, already, God is looking at humankind and he regrets creating man because the heart of man is so wicked. In verse 8, we have a but. But Noah found grace in the sight of Adonai. And we continue with verse 9. Here is the history of Noah. In his generation, Noah was a man righteous and wholehearted. Noah walked with God. I want to stop there because... I think all of us, in our mind's eye, we have a picture of Noah, his sons, and Noah and his wife, his sons and his daughters, and, and his, his sons' wives. And we think of these people as a lone family. They alone were righteous. Noah alone found grace in the sight of God. Now, it doesn't really say that his wife and his children 
and their spouses found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that caused me to ponder of how often we as believers protect our children and our children's children by our faith. If we find favor with God, God allows that trickle down to our children and our children's children. That was the first thing that I saw. The second thing that the Lord pointed out to me, and you'll have to go back to chapter 5 in verse 28. And this is where we learn about Noah's father. His father was Lemech. His father lived 182 years before he fathered a son. And he called that son Noah. And when you read the genealogy of all of these individuals, mentions the firstborn. And you know, I guess I skipped over a lot in Genesis, especially in the first five chapters. Because I'm thinking that Lamech had Noah, period, the end. He did not. He said about his son Noah, he said, this one will comfort us in our labor, in the hard work we do with our hands to get what comes from the ground that Adonai cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters. So do you know what that tells me? That Noah's sisters and brothers were outside the door to the ark. Did you ever think about that? No. I did not. No. I did not. I have to confess. You just read right through because you know what's coming, right? We know what's coming, so we really don't pay attention to the fine print. But you know who wasn't on the face of the earth when the flood came? God bless you. Lamech. Because we read in the very next verse, in all, Lamech lived 777 years. 777 years. Does that mean anything to you? 777. God's number. Completion. Protection. Safety. He did not suffer the washing away of his sons and daughters who came after Noah. God protected him. And so we're going to turn over to where we pick up the reading. Oh, I already read a few of the verses. Noah was a righteous man, wholehearted. Noah walked with God. Noah fathered three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yephet. In the next verse, verse 11, the earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. I know that I wrote that out in Hebrew. 
I can't find it. All right, hold on just one second. Some of these things are out of order. Well, I can't find it, but sorry about that. Yeah, I cannot find it. Oh, wait a minute, here it is. Okay. So here is the Hebrew of verse 11. Vati shachet ha'aretz lefni ha'elohim vatimala ha'aretz hamas. Hamas. That's the Hebrew. The English is this. The earth was corrupt. Shachat is the word for corruption. It means decay or ruin. When I think of decay, I think of something that is rotten, something that is putrid, something that, is, that smells terrible. And I know in other places in Scripture, it talks about the stench of men's sin coming up to the nostrils of the Lord. And the Lord completely eradicating different people groups on the face of the earth. The earth was corrupt, shachat, before God. The earth was filled with hamas, violence. That's the Hebrew word, hamas. The Arab word, hamas, means zeal, strength, bravery. But what I was thinking is that just as we are gathered in our synagogue this morning, Messianic Jews gathered in their synagogues this morning, reading the Torah portion. Our brothers and sisters in synagogues all over the world reading the Torah portion this morning and hearing the word Hamas, violence. After two weeks of violence in the land. God has everything appointed. I'm waiting for when Jonathan Kahn talks about the scripture today and he makes his incredible revelation he's and he speaks about that as he always does when God connects the dots for him in a way that is so amazing and so as I was thinking about this and pondering these scriptures about the earth being filled with violence I thought about how opposite, like diametrically opposite that is from the command that God gave to Adam and Eve when he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean to multiply? What does it mean to be fruitful? It means to have children, right? It means to fill the earth with life. But then what we hear is that, and what we read is that 1,100 years later, the earth is filled with violence. And isn't that exactly like the enemy? To corrupt and pervert what God has commanded. And who did he use for that? Who were the willing vessels to bring corruption on the earth? Mankind. And I will say, as I always say, mankind hasn't changed too much. Because look where we are today. 
We are all too willing to do the enemy's bidding in bringing violence upon the earth. And let me explain that I am not pointing a finger at Hamas per se, because we can speak violence with our mouths when we speak against our brothers and sisters. We can speak violence with our attitudes when we are not loving and compassionate to the people around us, to our neighbors, to the people that you work with. We can still spread violence even though we are supposed to be called by the name of the Lord. Violence is defined by many different things. And believers can promote violence as much as I don't want to say that. We know our words can be violent. Our actions can be violent. And our attitudes can be violent. So it's not always about pointing to the visible bad guy and saying, they have brought violence on the earth when we refuse to take responsibility for the violence that we bring within our families, within our congregation, within our neighborhoods, within our workplace. It's not always those that are evident with their violence because we too can promote violence in our world. I had the blessing of listening to a, um, a very short message given by an Orthodox rabbi who makes his home in Israel. And he said these words, and I thought about this for, I want to say for many hours, not consecutive, but my mind kept coming back to this. He said these words, violence has an effect on our souls. Being exposed to violence on a regular basis can hurt us, damage our hearts, damage our mind, and damage our spirit. And I thought about that in terms of the news that we watch, maybe the movies or the television programs we watch, and we think, well, that's there. But we have eye gates and ear gates where the things of the enemy can come through when we open those doors. And those visuals, those things that we see and the things that we hear have an effect on who we are. They have an effect on our spirit, an effect on our soul. The Monday after the Simcha Torah attacks in Israel, I wanted to see what Ben Shapiro had to say about the, um, the attacks. And uh, it was the strongest I've ever seen him or heard him. But he did issue a disclaimer, and he encouraged everyone to watch the entire uh, YouTube, I don't know how long it stayed up on YouTube because I wasn't sure what else he was going to show. But he said, I'm going to show you videos and pictures 
of what took place in Israel. Because you should see this. And he went on to describe a lot of what had happened. And, and it was very interesting because he had been in Israel for Sukkot, but came home Friday morning and did not even know about it because they shut off all their electronics at sundown on Erev Shabbat. So he did not know anything that had happened until his security people told him the next morning. But I thought, well, let me watch some of this. Let me be brave and let me watch this. I watched one still shot. That was all I needed. And I'm not going to talk about what I saw, but I thought about that after I, after I listened to this rabbi speak about what violence does to us. And then I was grateful that I didn't see it because I don't know how I would have responded. I mean, I could have been just completely undone for days or I could have come away with such an anger and hatred that would have affected my heart and my soul and my spirit. I don't know, and I'll never know, because I won't go back and I won't watch that, but um, I do believe he did that for a purpose, and I do believe that there were people who needed to see that. Maybe there are people who don't believe that this really happened. I keep hearing about these people. It's beyond me how you wouldn't um, believe this. Um, but it's, it's very interesting how uh, you know, people have different takes on the news and what they see and what they hear. So, as I thought about these scriptures, about the earth being corrupt before God, the earth being filled with violence. And I listened to this. Um, he was an Orthodox rabbi. And he talked about bringing beauty into the world to counterbalance what is going on in Israel and what went on in Israel. And I can't tell you how blessed I was and how much better I felt after I listened to this message. He began speaking about what took place in Israel following the attacks. And to me, when I read this scripture on violence in Genesis, I think to myself that there is no people group greater affected by this kind of violence than the Jewish people. And I say that because I know about all of these other people groups that have been annihilated by, you know, tri different tribes in Africa, places in Asia. I'm aware of that. But this has been from time immemorial. This has been from generation to generation to generation. And so the first thing I'm going to share with you was a story that he shared and these are going to be abbreviated stories mainly because I don't remember a lot of it I kind of jotted down the important points so Simchat Torah was on Shabbat Monday would have been the day after Sunday would have been the day after Monday 
would be two days after. On Monday, in the south of Israel, there was a wedding. There was a wedding. The wedding was not postponed. There was a wedding. I don't remember the name of the town. But what the rabbi said was, the entire town came out for the wedding. And he said this, we should not turn our backs on opportunities to rejoice. And you know, we should know that here. Because how do we balance the disappointments and discouragements and failures in our life? By doing what? By rejoicing. By turning on our worship music. By reading the word of God and declaring the word of God over ourselves. This is how we counter, counterattack even, the enemy of our souls. Because God has given us the Psalms to sing through, to worship through, to declare, as well as the rest of Scripture. So we are without excuse. If our brothers and sisters in Israel can attend a wedding two days after this horrific attack, the same day when the kibbutz was liberated and they go in and they find the, the, the devastation of human life, and yet someone is getting married. It is a declaration, Am Yisrael Hai, the people of Israel live. O Davinu Hai, our God still lives. Do we do that? We know to do it, but do we do that? Do we do it on a regular basis? I pray that we do. And I pray that we learn from our brothers and sisters and what they have gone through in declaring the people of Israel still live. They have not been defeated by the enemy. So this past Sunday at sundown was the 15th of, of October for us was Rosh Kodesh, Cheshvan. A big holiday, the new moon. Do you think Israel stayed shuttered in their houses for the new moon? No. In Jerusalem, there was a huge party called a Hallel, where they all got together to sing and to dance before the Lord praising him and worshiping him. After 10 days of horror, what this rabbi said was this. We're turning our backs on evil. We are not victims. We embrace life we are victors. When we embrace life, we are victorious, no matter what our circumstances. But we have to make that choice. We have to make that decision. Singing and dancing on Monday. Singing and dancing in Jerusalem on Monday. Not saying, woe is 
woe are we. God has left us. His face is not shining upon us. Because that's not true. God has not left Israel. God has not left us in the midst of our darkest night, the dark nights of our soul, which we've all experienced at some time or another. God has not left us. He is with us. I think because of all that our brothers and sisters have been through, they view life as more sacred than we do. So they don't miss an opportunity to dance and praise the Lord. They were interviewing people who left this Hallel service, and they were all saying how bright they felt and how lighthearted they felt after dancing and singing before the Lord, rejoicing in Rosh Kodesh. I want to read... I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'm going to read a short article. They told this story, this rabbi told a story about a family who lived in the south. And they very much wanted their parents from Jerusalem to come and join them for Simchat Torah. The parents didn't want to travel. Now the parents were not all that old. They were in their 70s. That's not all that old, right? Okay. But they, they didn't want to travel. And so this young couple decided that they would honor their parents. Obeying the commandment to honor their parents, they traveled to Jerusalem to spend Simchat Torah with their parents. Who remembers the promise that God gives if we honor our mother and our father? Long days. A lengthened life. While this family was in Jerusalem celebrating Simchat Torah with their not too old parents, their village was attacked by Hamas. Their neighbors were murdered. Their home was burned down. But because they obeyed the commands of God and honored their mother and their father. They may not have a home to return to, but they have their long life. Yes. Thank you, Lord. So all these lessons, God alone can bring life out of death. He alone can take tragedy and breathe life into tragedy. So I'm going to read a story to you, short story. Maybe some of you read this story, saw it somewhere on the internet. Oh, don't tell me it's not going to come up. Oh, here. 
wait, let me start all over again because it's not coming up. All right. I would say talk amongst yourselves, but I know that that's, that's not a good thing to say. All right. Give me a second. Give me a second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Do what? Stand on one leg? Okay, here it goes. On Tuesday morning, this past Tuesday morning, or maybe the last Tuesday morning, it doesn't matter. On Tuesday morning, I returned to Israel from Tokyo via Bangkok. Before boarding the plane from Bangkok to Israel, the terminal was full of young backpackers who wanted to return to Israel and enlist in Order 8, capital O, Order 8 emergency call-up for the reserves. Upon boarding, they announced, El Al announced that all those who still did not have a seat should wait because they were going to try to get everyone on the plane. There were dozens of young people there who wanted to go back to enlist. El Al took all the available seats on the plane and filled everyone up to the last seat on the plane. And the writer says this, I felt sorry for those who could not go up due to the lack of space. Then to my surprise, after they finished filling the plane, the El Al people took more than 20 young women and put them on the plane in the crew's folding chairs. And after that, the captain gave permission for more than 10 young men to sit on the floor in the kitchens and near the doors of the plane. So they were all put on that flight. In my entire life, I have never seen a flight where dozens of people were sitting on the floor. During the entire flight, they slept on the floor wherever possible, including near the cockpit. You know, Think about that with American Airlines, United Airlines, any one of them. They slept on the floor wherever possible, including near the cockpit, on the floor in the business class, and in every corner of the plane. The pictures speak for themselves and illustrate a little of what was on this special flight. During the flight, I saw the captain walking around the plane, making sure the crew was taking care of all these wonderful young people. Amisrael Chai. So what I want to say about these young people who were anxious to return to Israel, anxious to fight for the only land that God has given to our Jewish people. They did not run away, but they ran back. They ran back to do something that the Elenu prayer commands us to do, and that is to bring tikkun olam to the world, 
to repair the world. This is their way of repairing the world by serving to keep their land free and to keep their land a haven and a safe place for our Jewish brothers and sisters. And I started thinking, what would I do? Would I run back or would I run away? If I were caught there, would I stay and help or would I look for the first flight out? What would I do? Everybody's situation is different. It's not a word of condemnation. It's just my own question to myself. My own question to myself. So, as I bring this to a close, Megan, if you could bring up that. If you'll all turn in your scripture This is chapter 5 of Genesis. And it's just going to go through the names of the men up to Noah. We're going to take a look at that. In looking at that, we're going to look at what their names mean. So make a mental note, and maybe some of you have seen this. When, when it came up on my computer, I thought, this is vaguely familiar. So this may be familiar to all of you. Adam's name means man. Seth's name means appointed. Enosh means mortal or frail. Kinan means sorrow. Mahalahel means blessed God or praise God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means commencement or teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means despairing or lament or lamentation. And Noach means comfort or rest. Before you bring up that last slide, someone put all of this together, the definition of the names, and then formed the definition of the names into a sentence. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching his death, no, shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the despairing comfort or rest. There is a purpose for everything under heaven. Even the names of ten generations written in the scripture. Because if you take those ten names, put them into a sentence, you have the plan of redemption. But we have to pay attention. There is not one word of the Tanakh that is meaningless. Not one word. 
And here we have the truth that man is appointed mortal sorrow. But God, blessed be his holy name, will come down teaching. And his death shall bring the despairing, who are all of us. He will bring us comfort because he has redeemed us from the grave. So, Father, we thank you. We bless your holy name, O God. There is none like you in all the earth. Your word says that it will not return to you void. And we see that every word that you have spoken in your word brings life. We thank you for the life of your words. We thank you that in you we truly have comfort like John spoke at the beginning of this service. We have peace, we have comfort when we fix our eyes upon you. We do not despair. And we learn today, Lord, that our brothers in Israel are not despairing because they are worshiping you. They are praising you. They are loving you. And they know that he who keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And as it says in Jeremiah 31, if the earth can be measured, the skies measured, then your people will be no more. Man has tried to measure the skies, measure the earth, and we are unable. We are unable because we are not God. You are and so your people live. And they will continue to live on the face of this earth. And we all together will see Yeshua's return. And in that day, in that day, we will see redemption face to face and eye to eye. We bless you, Lord, because you alone are worthy to be blessed, honored, praised, glorified. We love you, Lord. We end this service the same way we began it, by saying, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Bless your holy name. And all God's people said, amen. If, uh, if you